Welcome to the Work Wonders Podcast, where we simplify HR for small business. I'm Angela. And I'm Susan. Let's dive into today's episode and see what you've been wondering about. Today it's interview time and we're delighted to introduce you to Catherine Hawes, the Principal Solicitor from Digital Age Lawyers. Catherine has a really interesting work history and some really great insights to share with us. We're strong believers in learning from other people directly where possible. Rather than reading a book or attending a course, I guess that's why this podcast exists. And in today's episode, we're going to talk to Catherine about her career journey and also what she's learnt along the way. So let's get started. This is the Work Wonders Podcast. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. We're delighted to have you here today. And as I said, we're really interested to, always fascinated to hear about people's career journey and where they've come from. So could you start by telling us a little bit more about you? Yes. So I started in law at the age of 15. I went for work experience um, at Selborne Wentworth Chambers and they sort of never got rid of me after that. Um, I started then working on weekends for barristers. Back then it was a huge amount of paper and faxes Um, lots of filing. So that was sort of um, the first area I worked in. It was great. I got to sit in, you know, some great conferences with, you know, some of the best legal minds in the country who then went on to be judges. So I did that to support myself all the way through university. Um, And then I started instructing and as I did my law degree, I then went as a barrister at the age of 25 and um, I was fortunate enough to have a matter where I appeared before the full court of the High Court in a matter and we were actually successful against the Minister for Immigration. And if there are any law students out there listening, they will be actually studying that case <laughs> in admin law. And Very it's really soon. good when I interview people and they go, oh, you were in that case. I said, yes, I was. <laughs> so progressed through, I then went to legal aid and then I came back and set up my own business, being first off Aquarius lawyers, so maritime and marine and aquaculture. And then a few years later, I set up Digital Age. And it was mainly because a lot of the advice businesses were being given by other lawyers was not in the world in which business actually was operating, which was the digital and social media world. And frankly, that's where a lot of businesses were getting themselves into trouble really quickly by not having um, legal risk measures in place about the environment in which they actually do business. So that's why we set that up. I was thinking it's fascinating that you started out with so much paper <laughs> and your practice now has digital age lawyers. Well, ex- and we're absolute, we're paperless. Um, right. We were using, I set it up around the fact that I wanted lawyers to be doing lawyering, not admin tasks. So uh, I'm trying to automate as much as possible. But I also don't want clients paying for typing or like when I started for filing and things like that when there are other solutions and that's how we can make it affordable. Yeah, well, that makes total sense, doesn't it? So in the last couple of years, obviously, there's been this huge digital acceleration and we're all using digital solutions a lot more than we were before. Yep. And as you know, uh, most of our listeners are small business owners or uh, managers. And I'm interested for you to tell us a bit more about how you think that acceleration and COVID has impacted on the workplace. Well, I think it's had, um, it's probably sped up a lot of changes. 
But at the same time, I don't think businesses have quite grasped the move into the digital environment and what that means for their business in terms of risk. So, for instance, you know, when COVID happened, everybody worked from home that could. And then there's things, well, you know, if a person is working at home on their home computer, what are the settings do they have that nobody else can see the information? If they're talking to clients, is there confidentiality or is there, you know, somebody who's next to them working? And it may, I'm not saying in, even in competition, but they might be working in a different area and they start to hear So where are the boundaries being drawn for your client confidentiality and data breaches? So the impression I get is that, yeah, we all went into lockdown, everyone suddenly had to scramble to work from home and have the right technology. And for a lot of businesses, it's still a matter of doing a backfill, isn't it? Well, for a lot of businesses, it was more about survival at the time, which I understand. But now that we're past that point Mm. and we're looking at, you know, hybrid work models, Mm. all of those. So my advice now is that businesses need to get this right, which is you need policies around all of your digital assets. You need policies around your passwords. You need to look at your insurance policies around are you covered for data breaches and what does your insurance going to look like if you're not. So Mm. there's a whole raft of things, business owners, and it doesn't matter how big or small you are, it's irrelevant. You need these policies in place. So social media policy is another one. Oh, goodness me, I've been banging on about that for years. (laughs) It just, you know, but it's also about protecting your business. I had a client where it was an apprentice on a building site and they took a video, posted it on YouTube at work. You know, it was lunchtime. They were doing something stupid, I don't know. Um, And work cover fined the business for breaches. You've got to remember work cover doesn't have to go further than their computer nowadays to really find breaches. You don't have to wait for the inspector to come around. And they're there (laughs) and I think this is the mindset and the the transformation that business owners need to, to, to sort of come about and really start to protect their business in the new digital environment. And so, Catherine, are there any risks and, and differences in those risks in working from home and using maybe a personal computer and, you know, all that at home and your internet at home versus working at a premises? Well, this is, again, about having these policies in place. So if you are allowing people to work from home, what are the requirements and, you know, the use of technology? So in my business, what I do is I provide a laptop and a phone. And that is only for work. So there shouldn't be any gaming. There shouldn't be, you know, the kid using it Mm. for Zoom at school or any of those other things. It is a work tool. So my advice is that if you are allowing people flexibility, which is fine, but it's still got to have rules around it. And if people are coming into the office, again, it's it's those things around, in my business, we have a cloud-based matter management system that can go on your phone, but I don't want it on their personal phone, I want it on the work phone. Everybody says that, you know, work and, and life are merging, that's great until something happens, mm-hmm. okay? You still need to have a work hat on, no matter where you are, you know, in what environment you're in. So I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Say I'm an employer and I have the policies in place and I've made my employees aware of that, but a data breach happens. 
Where do I stand in terms of my yep. insurance and legally? Okay, so in terms of insurance, that'll depend upon what you've actually even taken out and your policy. Yeah. But obviously one thing insurers look for is not just that you have a policy, but that policy is enforced, maintained and applied. So is it best to make sure everyone's signed it? And well, it's not just it signing or? it. it. It's about also monitoring it. Okay. So if you know that somebody shared a password, then you need to do something about it. Or if you know that they're working at home but they forgot their work computer at work, well, then they're not working at home. Okay. So the obvious question then is how do you know if they shared a password? Well, again, in our system, I can see who's logging in using what. Okay, so... So you can match the password to the device. Well, I can match the password to the device and I can match the password to the person... It was like last week I said, well, who was working on this matter at 11 o'clock? Because I know the person that was meant to be working on it wasn't around. That's what I mean. Like you need to understand your systems and you need to have them monitored. And you also, whether it's at home or in an actual physical workplace, is be seen to be enforcing them. Yeah, so a lot of it's about that being seen to well, do it as well, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. So you know? if you're talking like with social media policy, none of our staff can take photos to put up on their social media at any of our events. We have a corporate page and you share from there. So again, it's about maintaining that you follow it. We hope you're enjoying the guest on our podcast today. Keep listening for a special offer they have for you coming up very soon. And now it's back to the interview. I'm wondering, Catherine, if you've got some practical tips or maybe some apps, different um, things that you would recommend that small businesses could use to help monitor that when you talked about the password and, and things well, like that. Well, uh, look, ours is all installed in its matter management system, but you know, it may just be that you make everybody change their password every six months, ensuring that if anybody leaves, all passwords changed. You know, just having that review each time, you know, maybe you have it at Easter, long weekends, you know, whenever the time that hacking is most likely to occur, have a few rigmaroles. Make sure your antivirus is all installed and up to date. These are all the things that get lost as a business owner, you know, and it's the things that are going to save your business. Mm. I think the hardest part is having that visibility, isn't it? So it's being conscious, first of all, that you need to be monitoring it. Absolutely. But then making sure that you actually do. Well, and and it's the same when people are working remotely and not just within Australia, but people are outsourcing overseas. Well, Mm. you need to make sure that the data that you're transferring or they've got access to is all secure because otherwise you're going to be in breach of our data law. And so in cases when it might go wrong, Catherine, if there is a data breach, what would a small business owner do? What's their very first sort of steps? Okay, in terms of data breach, it depends what the breach has been. You do need to notify the person whose data has been breached. So I'll give an example. I had a mortgage broker mate of mine ring me up. They had two Mr Smiths and the wrong Mr Smith had received the loan information and financial about the wrong one. So she said, what do we do? And I said, well, you've got to ring both of them. Well, that should be good motivation for monitoring you doing the right thing, well, look, shouldn't it? But the thing is, look, people seem to have a heightened level of anxiety at the moment that they hear this and then, you know, they go into overdrive. It's not that no. mistakes are not going to happen, they are. Yeah. But just be aware of what your obligations are when they do happen. 
Um, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned we were talking about monitoring employees and remote monitoring, but you were telling us that it also works both ways. Well, there's now watches and there's also apps on phones. Um, and this is more particularly if you've got apprentices that are under 18, that parents are now monitoring them via these communication devices. Okay. <laughs> um, and that can include remotely listening to conversations and taking photos. So again, you know... It's really important if you run a business that you do keep up to date with technology because, again, I mean, do you want mum in the workplace? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, well, I mean, and not only that, you know, can there be a misuse of the technology for other reasons? You're starting to lose control of your workplace. So how do you protect yourself against that? Do you need to know what devices I people mean, are some using? places are going to the point where they're taking personal mobile phones and saying that they have to be stored in drawers. Mm. Any of the Apple Watches have to be stored. I mean, it depends if you're, you know, in a organisation where the information is um, highly prejudicial or confidential or if it leaked out, it could get to the competitors, then you would be taking this very or serious. The press. Or the press, you know, announcements that have happened beforehand. Employers need to be very aware of that. And then employers also need to know their rights in terms of monitoring their employees. Obviously, in logistics, it's about monitoring where they are in terms of the tracking yes. devices. Yeah. I did say to my staff I'd put one on them. They didn't seem to think that was such a good idea. But, you, know. you just need that app that well, the mums I, are using. Exactly. <laughs> I, but, again, it's about is it something that you really require in your business? Now, obviously, if it's logistics and, and things where you've got trucks and transport, yes, it, you know, it's, it's mm. nearly essential to know where your trucks are, monitoring their usage. It's a huge impact on your business. But I think if it's your receptionist in an accounting firm, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so it has to be reasonable. The other thing is you can monitor uses of computers in the workplace. And there are some apps that only allow people like an hour of so any of the social media platforms. And then they don't get any more time for okay. that day. Um, and all of that's perfectly legit. Sounds fair enough too, really. On a lighter note, I've heard you talk about emoji law. Oh, what on earth is emoji law? Oh, the devil's in the emoji now. <laughs> um, look, emo- again, emoji law is an, an emerging area and it really does have an impact both on business owners and it's whether or not you have employees and I'll, I'll talk about both. In the workplace, really, there is no need for kissy faces. I mean, <laughs> Oh, no. Emojis have an undercurrent of language that can be misinterpreted. Just like, you know, LOL can, you know, it can mean a variety of different things. (laughs) So can a tulip. I mean, just don't do it. (laughs) Okay. In a workplace, again, technology is fantastic, but it should always also be underpinned by professionalism. If you were typing a letter in the olden days, you wouldn't put XXX at the end of your letter <laughs> no. of demand, would you? No, you know. not at all. <laughs> so there's not a place for them, in my view, in the workplace. I know it's cute and kitsch and all of that, yeah. but the only exception I'd probably say is something like the, the app Teams, oh, where yeah. there's right. limited, there's only a thumbs up, um, thumbs down, so Smile. Yeah, yeah, which are pretty innocuous. Mm. 
and it can't be transferred between the platform. Because the problem is you might send a smiley face from, you know, an Android that turns up as a devil on the Apple because don't think that all the platforms interpret emojis the same either. Oh, that's no. interesting. And and don't think all people interpret them the same either. So I was reading a, a Twitter thread the other day, which was about the thumbs up emoji, and some people feel that that's insulting and dismissive. And somebody even said, my boss uses it all the time and I feel like he can't be bothered, you know, saying something. We have the instant messaging system, thumbs up, thumbs down, smiley face. Yeah. And, it, and if you've read the message, it's a thumbs up. Right. If you can't deal with the message, it's thumbs down. Okay. If it's a smiley face, it's all good and dealt with. Okay. So we've actually put those meanings in our employment handbook so that that's how they get used. Great idea. Okay. But, you know, it, it's that limited few that are available within the program mm. itself. Mm. But if somebody is writing an email... You know, I don't know where the kissy faces and the winky <laughs> eyes, which can all be misinterpreted, mm. um, come about. Yeah. Well, some businesses use um, Messenger on Facebook and things like that to communicate with potential customers. We have a huge social media presence. I'm absolutely for social media and I think it can be wonders and it can be used well. But just like our thumbs up have rules around it, now, in terms of Facebook groups in the workplace, as the employer, you need to make sure that nobody is being left out of those groups. Right. Um, oh, yes. Because that could be bullying um, and exclusion. So this is where your social media policy needs to come in. One um, employer, what happened was it was a lot of shift workers and they'd swap shifts. So the workers themselves set up a Facebook group, which the management knew about, to share shifts. So oh, I can't do this, can you mm-hmm. hear? Yeah. But the thing is they didn't put everybody in. So they, it was only a select group. So some people missed out. So some people missed out. You just need to ensure you've got the rules around it. Yeah. So this really sounds like quite a minefield. <laughs> well, it, it is, but you can get through the minefield without blowing yourself up yeah. <laughs> if you just really think about yeah. what what are my legal obli- – it always comes back to what are my legal obligations in the workplace and am I carrying them out? It doesn't matter what the platform, the digital, whether oh. it's any of those things – that's what it comes back to. Most of us as business owners, and this is me included, we, you put your house on the line. Mm. You put a lot on the line for this business. So you need to protect it and you need to control it. Good advice. So if you're listening to this and thinking, oh my goodness, where do I start? Well, today's your lucky day because <laughs> Catherine's got an offer for our listeners. What we offer at Digital Age Lawyers is we want to be proactive um, rather than reactive. So what we do is something called a legal strategy session. So we sit down with business owners, we go through what you've got in place, what you're missing, and then advice about how to rectify it. So you get a written report at the end and then the steps you need. So we charge $275 for that plus GST. That sounds like really good value and a yeah, great absolutely. place to great start. Great place to start, yeah. yeah. Well, Catherine, if there is just one thing that our listeners could take away today, what would you suggest that they could do differently for their workplace? I would suggest that they actually sit down and come up with an employment contract. 
One of the things that I find time and time again is the fact that there is no employment contracts. So, for instance, I've got a matter today where the employer paid for the certificate for the employee to get the qualification. Um, it's a personal qualification, so it's, it doesn't belong to the business, it, it belongs to the employee. They have now, after just qualifying, decided to move on right. with the benefit of that qualification. Oh. There's no employment contract. Without that, it becomes really hard where it gets murky, you know. So be clear and have an employment contract that also reflects your social media, confidential information. All those boundaries you talked about. All the boundaries. And I'm surprised time and time again how many businesses, they think a letter of offer is the employment contract. No. And it doesn't have to be a different one for it. You just have a schedule at the back and have it at the front, your contract at the front. Yeah. There's those nuances about every individual. Well, the award doesn't cover uh, social media. The award doesn't cover any of the benefits you want to give people, anything like that. So, And it's not just if you're employing, but even if you're subcontracting, if you are having anybody engage in your business, you have a contract. Mm. Well, thank you so much today for joining us, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. No, I've enjoyed it. Oh, good. So have we. And look, we hope that you got some helpful takeaways from today's interview with Catherine. She shared some really great juicy tips there and lots of helpful current information um, that we can all use. So tell us, is there anything that stood out for you? We'd love to know. Let us know if we're on our our website or any of our socials on LinkedIn uh, and uh, get in touch with us that way. You'll find the complete show notes for today's episode over on our website and you'll also find the details for Catherine's offer and her contact details there. We have many more guests booked already and we're open to suggestions. So if you have some ideas about who you'd like us to talk to, please get in touch. Thank you for listening to the Work Wonders podcast. Hit subscribe now so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's, why not tell your friend and maybe even leave us a review? So what have you been wondering about? You can pop onto our website, workwonderspodcast.com.au and let us know. We'll talk to you again soon.